Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy. Joined by my co-host tonight, Dalton Miller. Cole Patterson not with us as he's uh, under the weather, but me and Dalton are going to be here tonight to talk some Dallas Cowboys football with you. I didn't make it last week, so Dalton and Cole uh, ran the ran the show. They talked about some linebackers. I think we're going to bounce over to the offensive side of the ball today, talk about the offensive line a little bit. Um, there's some newcomers that are going to be swing tackles, uh, a veteran Ty Naseki. Um, there's some rookies. There's some young players that we want to talk about as well. Tyler Biotish uh, is a guy I wanted to kind of circle in on as well. But before we get started, Dalton, how you doing? I think you mean by does. By does. That's right. By That's right. But what uh. Why do you think that the owners of and the general managers of the team don't know the pronunciation of their players' names? Uh, well, one of them is almost 80 years old. That uh, one I understand. The other one uh, is just, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't ask questions <laughs> about Steven. Like, like I'm, I'm imagining all the scouts when they drafted Tyler Biotish being like, yes, Biotish kid, like, you know, physical, he's nasty, you know, had some injuries, up and down year. And then Steven hears all that, and then as soon as it's over, goes, Biodaz. Yeah, I like Biodaz. And you know the scouts are just like, we just said Biotish 25 times. Like, you know that happens, right? Like, you know they're looking at each other. Like, you know he knows the guy's name, but he's just not going to say it right. Yeah. But uh, that's this football team, and – um. We're going to get into, like I said, talk about some offensive line. And there was a tweet I read earlier. Uh, I can't remember who it was from, so if you're listening, let me know. But uh, it was talking about how there's so much positivity coming out of rookie minicamp, you know, minicamps, OTAs. And I want to, like, are we going to buy into the positivity, or are we still hesitant to buy into, you know, the secondary supposedly taking some steps? And we're going to get into that as well. But before we do, let's talk about this offensive line. Um, you know, there's some injuries still. Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith aren't totally practicing in full. So I think today, which we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, was the open portion of the Cowboys' uh, mandatory minicamp. First day of that in Ty Niseki. Uh I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Is that right? Uh, I believe it's Niseki, yes. Okay, so, so long-time veteran, played with Washington. He's bounced around a lot. Guy that... Uh, 
I know myself have followed. I know uh, John Owning, friend of the friend of the show, has been a big proponent of over the years to get him into Dallas. But uh, he apparently injured himself today uh, trying to block Michael Parsons off the edge, which is interesting. But kind of before we start zoning in on certain players, what's your thoughts on the offensive line going into 2021? And are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Are you excited? Like, where are you at with this offensive line situation? I think that they're going to be a pretty good group if they're healthy. But that's kind of been the issue is we haven't been able to keep these guys healthy. I think when you're looking at, you know, Tyron at left tackle, listen, we talk a lot about Connor Williams, but he's not that bad. Um, good football player. Yeah, he's an all, I would even say he's an all right football player. Right, he's a right. you know replacement level starter. Right. Um, Tyler Biot. <laughs> I, I see. Now I screw it up. Now I say, I, I say Biadas. Now I want to actually say Biadas. You said uh, it right though. You said Biadas. I know I said Biadas the first time, but it still screwed me up, man. I still had to think about it. Um, I think Biadas is a, a, a good name to have there at center, especially for the upside. You know, seeing what he was able to do at Wisconsin when he was healthy. Um, I, I think having Connor McGovern in the back that we don't really know all that much about. I think is good depth. I would like to see him play a little bit. I, I hope that it's not for Zach Martin, but you know they have him as the the backup center. I think that you know he might be somebody who could compete for a, a guard spot um, behind Connor Williams. Uh, I also think it's funny they have Mitch Hyatt on the roster and they have him as a guard, uh, so that's interesting. Um, remember, remember, was it last nope, year nope, when everybody nope, thought? No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, not no, no, no. We're not even going to get into what's the problem. We're not even going to get into Mitch Hyatt, he man. He's all what, – what did he win? Didn't he win some big award and people were just like – Yeah, he was uh, He was uh, an All-American. Yeah, All-American. All-American at Clemson. People thought that guy was coming for Tyron Smith's job. Wasn't he Michigan? Was he Michigan? No, was he Clemson. Clemson? He Clemson. was Clemson, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 That that's was, right. Uh, Clemson, Brian Burns. Yeah. yeah. That's what Oh, it was. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyways, um, then are, you have Zach Martin at, at right guard, who I still think is the best offensive lineman in the National Football League when he's healthy, and a healthy Lyle Collins. So if you have Tyron Smith and you have Lyle Collins back healthy to start the season, I think this is one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL if they're healthy. Um, and then I, I mean, I actually like the depth that they have there as well. I think that Brandon Knight, I think that Terrence Steele, neither are bad options if one of them are starting. And, and you know, Nasiki's been around for a really long time and, and can be that, you know, swing tackle that we need. What are your thoughts? You know, we, we drafted Connor McGovern, but it was two years ago now in the third round. A lot of people expected him to maybe take over as that starting center when they drafted him out of Penn State with Travis Frederick, you know, future up in the air. We've seen a little bit of McGovern over the few years that he's played because of injuries, because of I know he he was injured some and then he played some last year because of injuries. Where are you at with Connor McGovern? Do you think he has a chance to maybe I'm not saying like I'm not saying he's gonna push Biotish as a starter, but like are you on the same level with McGovern that you are, let's just say like, like how would you compare? Do you think he could push Connor Williams for that starting job? Like where are you at with Connor McGovern? No, I mean from the the little that we actually saw of him when he had to fill in, I I didn't think he was anything 
special. Um, nothing that I would like even say is is that replacement level that Connor Williams is. Now. Right. I would like to see more of it, but I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from Connor McGovern. That's probably what I would say too. Like, but he it hasn't. He didn't kill also, you. It has, yeah, it hasn't been much. Either. Right. Right. It's been very little. And I thought the times that he played last year, I think my biggest takeaway from what I saw from him last year is like, I don't understand why they didn't get him on the field at all sooner because it, it wasn't bad. Like people, I remember people were like, he must be terrible in practice because he's not getting on the field. And I was like, no, he's, you know, it's not that bad, you know, when you're watching the, the tape and everything. But I think the biggest thing on this offensive line is while they're not, I don't think they have the talent or the health to be the best offensive line in football, I think they have tons of depth. And I think that that's really important on the offensive line. When you're talking about a guy like Ty Nasecki, uh, Brandon Knight, Terrence Steele, Connor McGovern, um, I mean, you're talking about guys who have started games in the NFL for a long time, uh, minus Knight and uh, Steele, but you're talking about guys who have starting talent, who have that ability to step in and play three, four, five games a year. I think that's something that a lot of teams lack, and I think at times last year it was frustrating with Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele because for me it was like when Brandon Knight was playing well, Terrence Steele was playing horrible, and then it kind of flipped due to some injuries tonight. Um, but I think if those guys are healthy, you feel really comfortable about your offensive line depth, and I think that that's you know key to being successful on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL nowadays is having – six, seven, eight guys that you know can step in and play and not absolutely kill you. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the Dallas Cowboys, the the rest of your division have good defensive lines. I mean, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are kind of a mess from a roster standpoint, but their defensive line is still good. Uh, they, they still have Fletcher Cox. They still have Brandon Graham. You look at Washington, they have literally everybody in the NFL playing on their defensive line. And then the Giants, you know, we, we've talked a, a ton of crap on David Gettleman, he that he has really built that defensive line into something we we laughed at him when they took Dexter Lawrence at 18. Dexter Lawrence has turned into you know one of the best young nose tackles. Um, they lost Alvin Tomlinson, but they have a ton of guys in the the interior, especially because I don't worry about the Cowboys at at tackle as long as the starters are healthy. Even with some of the edge rushers that are in this division, I, I don't find it too scary. Um, it's that interior of the offensive line that bothers me, um, and I think that. I'll feel good about the line as a whole going into to 2021, but I, I don't feel great about it. One name we haven't mentioned at all, and I know it keeps slipping my mind because we haven't heard his name brought up at all, but draft night, it was a super big controversy with Josh Ball uh, out of Marshall. And I know we've talked about our opinions on him, um, you know, as a, I guess, a person, I guess you can say, without us really knowing the extent of him as a person you hear what happened and you form a educated opinion but we haven't really heard anything about josh ball as far as how he's looked in minicamp how he looked in otas where does he fit in because he was a pretty high draft pick he's probably going to make the team based i guess where they spent the value and what they've kind of talked about him as as a player on this team but like where do you see josh ball fitting in in that whole depth chart look for the offensive line right i mean if he makes the team it, it'll be right at the end um i mean, I mean how, have... how disappointed would you be though if they spent uh top 100 i know it's a top 140 it's not like it's top 50 but a top 140 pick on a guy with a lot of character concerns and then they d- doesn't even make the team like that would be pretty rough no i don't care 
I mean, at the end of the day, and I know I'm a draft guy, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but the fourth round is flip a coin four times and hit it all four. Like, those are your chances of hitting, you know, in in the fourth round. It's, you know, 10%. It's really, you're you're not going to hit on many guys. So, no, I'm not going to really get upset about fourth rounders. Do I think I could have got you a guy? Hell yeah, I do. Um, Yeah, I was going to... There was some tackles there that I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like uh, I that, mean, that was the biggest tackles, frustration there players, with me. There right, were players there everywhere. I mean, the guy that you drafted after him in Jabril Cox, I would have taken a hundred picks before I took Josh Ball. You know, a a, a Josh Ball that doesn't have off field stuff, but yeah, you know, it's just if he makes it, it's going to be at the end, and you already have Brandon Knight, you already have Ty Gesicki, and you already have Terrence Steele, and I like all three of those players more than I like Josh Ball. So you're going to keep six tackles. Uh, that's what I don't know. I don't know if that that's where my questions kind of come in. Like that's just, I guess for me, it was like, are you moving Brandon Knight or Terrence Steele to guard full time? But even then you still have McGovern, you still have like depth there too. So that could be maybe a position that they look to move some guy. I mean, teams are always looking for offensive line. Like you could call some people and see if they're interested in Brandon Knight or Connor McGovern or, I mean, I don't think you're going to trade Ty Naseki because you don't really have the veteran depth behind Tyron and Lyle that you'd like to have. So maybe they get on the phones and maybe move a Connor McGovern or Brandon Knight or Terrence Steele for a, you know, day three pick or, you know, a safety or something like that. I don't know if that's an option, but that could be, you know, they're deep in that area and it's hard to, you know, you're kind of cutting ties with a fourth round pick, you know, in the first year of his deal or cutting a proven, somewhat proven a uh, player that played last year and Brandon Knight or Terrence Steele for, for you know, a guy you're not sure about. So it could be a situation where that might be where they look to maybe move a guy, you know, as, as we get into camp or we get there right before the season starts. No, nah, I mean, if they can and they can get, uh, you know, whatever value they can get for any of those guys, yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind that. And I would like to, man, the, the more that I look at it, the more the interior kind of bugs me. I mean, it's Matt Farniot, Connor McGovern, Mitch Hyatt right now. I mean, those are you know the interior guys that you're looking at. So I would like to find a veteran to even bring in. Um, what's Joe Looney doing? Because yeah, we heard some whispers. Was it last year or early this year that they were looking at moving Knight to guard? I thought that was kind of didn't they do that? Didn't they do that towards the end of the season last year? I think he's, he played a little bit there throughout the season but i thought going into this year might have been after the draft that we kind of started hearing some whispers that they were going to move knight to guard full time and have ball naseki and steel as the tackles behind lyle and tyron which i mean again we haven't really been getting a ton of information out of otas and mandatory camp and all that but i mean that's something to maybe keep an eye on that when when the media is able to see practice more, where's Knight line, lining up? Is Steel lining up at guard? Like, where are those guys lining up? Because that'll kind of give us a glimpse of who's going to be where and maybe what that depth chart will end up looking like. Yeah, I just looked it up. Knight didn't play any uh, snaps at guard last year, but I do remember hearing guard talk. It yeah. might have been going – was that going into last season? And then he ended up playing tackle anyways? That might be what it was. I don't know. I know he's he's gotten reps there in you know training camp and stuff like that at times because I mean again like they had so many injuries on the offensive line last year that they they had they couldn't play him at guard really you know they had 
at the one time it was tiring and lie all out. It was steel and night on both ends. And I mean, it was just, it was brutal there for a while. So they had McGovern playing when, when Martin got hurt, McGovern slid in and played some guards. So mm-hmm. they really didn't have an option to. So I, I know after, I can't remember if it was during the draft, after the draft or after the season, there was talk about them moving night to guard uh, full time. So that might be something we need to check in with some people on who are seeing camp and seeing where he's lining up to see where he's at. But, uh, Let's move on a little bit to talk about um, there's been a lot of optimism coming out of camp. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot of negativity. There there hasn't been any struggles. I guess you could say the negative things have been that, you know, Dak's still working through some things and is an injury, but he is doing pretty much everything in full that, that, that he can. Um, you know, he's not doing team stuff just because they don't want to have a freak accident of him getting rolled up on. Uh, but you see the the you see him being able to get in and out of the pocket, roll out, throw on the run, and I think all that stuff is super positive for the you know looking at towards the start of the season. Um, but outside of that, you know maybe the Amari, Amari not practicing, Tank not practicing. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of questions coming out of camp. You know, like for a team that's starting Demonte Kazee and Jaron Curse at safety, you would think we would hear more of holy crap, the back end of the defense looks horrific. Or, holy crap, you know, Nashawn Wright. I mean, Nashawn Wright's gotten a lot of love coming out of this stuff. But are you buying into the optimism that, this, you know, the defense might not be as bad as we hope it is? Is Dan Quinn really making that big of an impact? Like, where are you at with all the sunshines and rainbows that we've been hearing so far? I'm, I'm not falling for the sunshine and rainbows this year. I refuse to do it. I'm going to go in much like Peter LaFleur uh, in dodgeball. I found that if you don't set goals, you'll never be disappointed. Um, And so I'm not setting any goals for the perpetually disappointing Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm just not going to do it. No, uh, I I like the optimism. And I think that the optimism feels different for some reason. It might be, you know, that we're not quite, you know, over and done with Mike McCarthy as we were with Jason Garrett and, and hearing that year in and year out. Um, but man, like I, I, I really do think uh, that we just need to be cautious because, you know, it, we're not, not everybody is allowed to be in camp right now. They are kind of limiting what we're seeing and what we're hearing. And when that happens, there are times where you can get, uh, sunshine and rainbows are easier to uh, facilitate if you're the media because you can control the narrative a little bit more. So I'm taking just everything with a grain of salt, especially on the defensive side of the ball, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... it's. I do just of... think that changing the defense up and going to a more basic coverage scheme is what this team needed. Um, they obviously couldn't handle it last year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, um, but I also kind of agree with you. Like, I mean, you know how I am, and people listening to this podcast probably know how I am. Like, very rarely am I optimistic about a whole lot. You know, like, if there's reasons to be optimistic, I'll find them. But just because, you know, everyone's talking about how good this defense looks and how much struggles they gave, you know, some of the offense and such and such, it's just I can't buy into that stuff yet. I mean – you know, I know they have they've picked off a few DAC passes and like that's that's what happens every camp. I mean, every I, mean, I remember last year during training camp, the defense was like winning all these practices, you know, getting interceptions, and we show we saw that that did not translate whatsoever. So 
it's hard for me to get really excited about things, especially like you said on the defensive side of the ball, when we still don't know who's playing on the opposite side of Trayvon Diggs. Like if Anthony Brown's a starter day one, all my optimism is gone. Like I think he's a bad player on the boundary. In the slot, I think he's fine, but if it's Trayvon Diggs on one side, Anthony Brown on one side, Jordan Lewis in the slot, like my day one optimism is gone. Like I'm I'm back on the 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 Mike Nolan train at that point with my negativity, but I was hoping, you know, Kelvin Joseph would would kind of stand out. I was hoping even I mean, it sounds like Nate Nishan Wright's maybe taking some of that um, steam and ran with it a little bit. But like, where are you at with that second corner spot? Because we know Jordan Lewis is probably going to be in the slot. And if it's not Jordan Lewis, it'll probably be Anthony Brown because Jordan Lewis hasn't played well. But that CB2 spot right now, how that that's the most scary part of this defense for me is who is going to play there. No, I mean, absolutely. I, I don't love our option at, at CB1. Um, right. And, and that's not to say that I, I don't like Trayvon Diggs. He's just not a, a CB1 a or, CB2. or what you think of him. <laughs> yes. Um, man, the, the Kelvin Joseph stuff, he, he was uh, quarantined, COVID-19. Um, and so he just really hasn't been around. He's been learning from a distance. Um, it's tough, man. He's got to get in and get those reps and having to go through this. Uh, it's tough for a, a rookie. I, I don't expect he wasn't a, a guy I really expected to start day one. I think that it's going to probably end up being Anthony Brown on the outside. And I don't love that, but I <laughs> I don't hate it. I know that you said that you think he's a bad player on the outside. I, I certainly think that he struggled pretty mightily um, on the outside, but I, I think that it's probably a better option than starting a, uh, uh, Joseph, who who really hasn't played all that much, and I'm gonna wait and and hold off on the Nation Wright love until I see him I be a good player uh, at the NFL level in with my own two eyes. Yeah, I mean that that that's really I guess for the topic that came up is like, you know, you'll see the tweets that come out of practice and Nation Wright had a pick or Nation Wright had an almost pick, and it's like. People have went from thinking Nashawn Wright was the worst pick of all time to thinking he's a starter, and I'm like, I can't get there yet. I mean, even though like I watched him post draft, I said I didn't really like the tape. I don't like the the athleticism that popped on, you know, as his numbers came out. But it was like, if he turns out to be a good, great player, like I will 100% eat that crow publicly on this podcast. Whatever. It's just I'm not gonna take five plays from training camp that the 20 people that get to watch practice talk about and think that, Oh, you know, that's, that's all I need to see. He's great now. So I'm with you on that as well. It's just, I think every, what, again, me saying it, people are going to roll their eyes at, but like the optimism probably needs the brakes pumped a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I think that they always should <laughs> <laughs> just, just continue to pump the brakes on them guys. I know that we want to have hope, but it always just kills us in the end. Yeah, just think, hey, I guess... Listen, only one out of 32, baby. Only one uh, out of 32. What are we going to say nowadays that we can't say eight and eight anymore? Is it nine and... I I haven't figured it out yet, honestly. Is it nine and eight or eight and nine? I feel like eight and nine is probably the way to go. I think it has to be eight and nine. It's an eight and nine league. It just doesn't sound as it doesn't sound as good. Nine and and eight is like yeah, it's actually an eight and a half and eight and a half league. There you go. That's it. 
through that. Yeah. One, one tie game, right in, right stuck in the middle. And eight, eight and one. That's what that's what the league is nowadays. An eight, eight and one. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to talk about today, guys. Uh, we got uh, camp coming up. It, it, we keep saying it, but camp is coming up. And once that happens, we'll have so much content to talk about. But uh, we uh, will be back next week, and we'll uh, be talking some more about these these mand- you know mini camp practices, the OTAs, all that's going to be winding down here soon. And uh, the, the camp hype will be up and running. So we'll, uh, we'll be back next week to talk more Cowboys football. Thanks so much for listening. This is Talking the Star. <laughs>